The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My uncle told a story from his days in Vietnam that he had heard recounted to him of a remote village in Vietnam uh, of whom many of the people there were converts uh, to Christianity. A group of Viet Cong had entered the village and demanded that they spit on the cross, that they deny Jesus as Lord. And if they would do this, they would live. And if they refused, they would die. We hear similar stories happening these days coming out of Afghanistan. I wonder how these words of Jesus ring in their ears. Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I bet they sound different, those words, to those who are undergoing such intense persecution. What do these mean, words mean to you? 
We may never in our lifetime face a situation like those who are persecuted around the world even today or as the church has been for thousands of years. Discipleship for us is mainly a lifetime of micro decisions, tiny little things that we decide to do or not do that in their own way confess Christ as Lord of our lives or not. That is what discipleship looks like for us. You confess Christ or not in countless small moments, many of them seemingly unrelated to matters of faith and spirituality. Rarely, if ever, does discipleship seem a life or death matter. That's not how Jesus speaks of it, though. In our gospel text today, he says, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Let's be clear. This talk of the cross was disturbing to his disciples. Peter was so disturbed that even though he moments before this had confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, the anointed one of God, was so bold as to rebuke him, saying, Lord, this must not ever happen to you. This cannot be the way. Peter correctly understood the cross to be a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of death. It was an instrument of torture. The Romans had not invented crucifixion, but you might say in a twisted way that they had perfected it. They would place the crucified outside the gates to the city on the public roads. So as people entered and exited the city, they would see those condemned to die, those lawbreakers the rebellious, crucified. Most often, they were nailed to the cross or tied there naked so that they would have full exposure to the elements and be fully exposed in their shame. That Jesus would talk about the cross about death and in so doing say this is what it means to follow me was an affront to Peter. This didn't subside over time for Peter. When push came to shove in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was arrested, when he went like a sheep to the slaughter, and allowed himself to be taken without a fight, Peter said, this is enough. (laughs) And he, with the rest, fled. 
I can't follow Jesus where he's going, he said. So ashamed was he of Jesus in this path that Jesus had chosen that three times that very night, Peter denied even having known Jesus, the one to whom he had dedicated his life, the one whom he had confessed to be the Messiah. It was only when the cock crowed that Peter became aware and ashamed of his denial. In that moment, Peter's true nature had been revealed. Push had come to shove and he was more interested in saving his own skin than he was in confessing Christ before the world. Peter showed himself to be a true child of our first parents, Adam and Eve, who in their rebellion in a different garden found themselves naked and were ashamed. A chip off the old block. Peter's exposure left him grief-stricken, and he wept out, and he went out and wept bitterly. You've been there before. In those moments where some action or inaction on your part creates shame in you, a shame that settles in your gut and sours there. You've been there. If we, in this adulterous and sinful generation, are going to have shame, let it be over our sin. Over the ways that we, like Adam and Eve, have rebelled against our Father, that we, like Peter, have denied him in small and larger ways. If we feel our cheeks turning red with tears hot with shame, may it be over our sin and not because of the life that Christ has called us to. Let us, like Peter, feel that shame rot in our bellies. Let us, like Peter, let those tears roll for sin, but above all, Let that shame, if we feel it, turn us to Christ. Looking to Jesus, we see the one who was without shame because he was without sin. He is the one human who lived his whole life with honor and is still this day the one worthy of all honor and praise. Jesus set his face like flint toward the cross, disregarding its shame, enduring its suffering. And he did this for sinners, for you. It has been said that while he was nailed to the cross, it was not the nails that held him there, but his love. 
for sinners, for you. Jesus himself said that at any moment he could have called down the host of heaven to aid him. Twelve legions full. But he did not exercise this privilege. In his weakness, we see power. True power. Perfect power. In his resurrection from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, we see Jesus vindicated. Yes, there were those who passed by while he was dying on the cross who wagged their heads and looked at him and said, Ha! If he is the Son of God, why doesn't he save himself? That's not why he came. When he rose from the dead, this was a vindication of his choice, the righteous choice to give himself the one righteous one for the unrighteous that we might be forgiven. See the amazing thing that God has done. He has transformed the cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and he has made it his glory. Such that we adorn our sanctuaries with it and hang it around our necks and on our walls to remind us of the love that God has for us. In his dying for the forgiveness of sinners, even those who denied him, we see a picture of perfect love. He exercised the power that he had by laying it down for you. And in so doing, he exercised perfect love for you. In baptism, you were marked with the cross of Christ, no longer a symbol of shame, but now a sign of whose you are, that God in Christ has claimed you by his death on the cross, And by his word and water applied to you, your very name, his name given to you, that he is your heavenly father. Now, you know, every breath that you draw into your body is a gift from God. Every moment that you are given is an opportunity for you to confess Christ before this world, to live in faith and in the knowledge, the wonderful knowledge that all of your sin has been nailed to the cross. And remarkably, there is nothing of which you need be ashamed. That's right. Yeah, I know there are those moments that we have in life that peek their head around, rear their ugly head up, and and you feel it in your gut, and you, you cry your tears again over something that you have done or left undone. 
maybe even years later, you might even feel it more acutely as time has gone by. And you weep fresh tears over a long past sin. You need not do this anymore. That sin is dead and buried with Jesus who bore it on his body so that you no longer need be weighed down by those memories. You in Christ are a new creation. You have been healed by his wounds. You have been made whole. God's word concerning you is that you are forgiven. That's the word he has for you, a word that is trustworthy and true, and you can hold on to that, especially in those moments where you wrestle with shame. Peter found God's word to be true. In the days after Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter walked again with his Lord by a lake shore. And as they walked, Jesus gave him this wonderful opportunity. You remember three times Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. By the lake shore, Jesus invited Peter three times to declare his love for his Lord. And three times Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. What's more, Jesus restored Peter to a leadership role in the church that the one who had denied Jesus and had been forgiven might then extend that forgiveness and that word of grace and peace to all others in that same situation. Each time that Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know I love you, Jesus responded, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Shaped by this mercy shown to him, by this grace, this forgiveness, Peter learned what it meant to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, to be one marked with the cross of Christ. He learned what it meant to deny himself and to take up his cross, and he did so quite literally. According to tradition, years later, while in Rome, leading the church there, Peter was arrested and led to his own cross. And he, as he was getting close to the cross, objected for a moment. He did not object to dying on the cross. He had made his peace with that long before. What he objected to was that he should have the honor of dying in the same way as his Lord and Master had. And so he asked that he might be crucified upside down. And according to tradition, that is how he died. When push came to shove, Peter was not ashamed to call Jesus his Lord, confessing Christ to the very end. 
And you? Are you, like Peter, not ashamed to call Jesus your Lord? Those villagers in Vietnam presented with the choice of life or death chose the cross. To a person, young and old, men and women, they were not ashamed to confess Christ, even though it would mean death for them. So astounded were their persecutors at this communal witness that they let them live. Their lives were so marked with the cross of Christ that they were willing to die rather than to deny him. They faced death with a confidence in faith, knowing that God raises the dead. That is our future. God will raise us from the dead. By the grace shown to us in Christ Jesus, we can live and die with that same belief in our hearts, that same confession on our lips. By faith in Jesus, we live not ashamed. In the name of Jesus. Amen.